It's awesome. Children are wonderful. I hope you love children. I hope you care because Jesus loves them so much. He loves them so much. And I will tell you, as a father of five daughters and uh, the grandfather of 15 now, and most of them are boys. So I didn't get my boys for my sons, but I got four wonderful godly son-in-laws, and I have mostly uh, boy, grandsons, and they make life interesting. They are fun. In fact, I, I should have been keeping track of how many sermon illustrations I use. They should get some kind of credit for that, you know. Going to college might pay for their college, I don't know, but it's pretty exciting seeing what God is doing. You know, I, I, I think children are, are fascinating or interesting. I love babies, and my wife has always been the baby person. She loves them with the newborns, and she wants to hold them, and she wants to feed them, and she doesn't even mind changing their diapers or anything like that. And, and I sit and watch and smile and occasionally, don't you want to hold? And I said, sure, you know, hold, and then I'll give them back. And she said, well, don't you like to hold babies? And I said, I, th- I like them when they get a few years older. They get really interesting then. They're very entertaining a few years after that, you know. So I enjoy children at every stage, and I get a delight when I see a child. Usually they smile at me. I guess they like happy fat man. But uh, I, I enjoy children and all that they, they, the little mischief they get into, the things that they do. But I think more than anything else, I remember raising my children from the time they were in the womb of praying for them, even when they're in the womb, that God would protect them and guard them and keep them safe, and that God would uh, use them for his kingdom, that God would even, and I used to go into their baby cribs and their baby beds and, and lay hands on them while they were sleeping and pray over them, pray over them, because I know that we live in an evil world, and praying that God would guard and protect them from evil and evildoers. That, that the Lord would prepare for them somewhere in the world, even as they were infants, that somewhere in the world, God, there's a little boy out there that maybe you have chosen just for them. Don't let them settle for second best. Help them to find the will of God in their life partner. And here's what I want, God. And I think it's the same thing that God wants. I really believe that, is that I want them to have a husband that first of all loves you passionately with all of his heart and his mind and his soul. And secondly, I want them to love my daughter and to treat them the way that, God, I want them to be treated with respect and honor. And thirdly, God, I want generational believers, that I don't want Christianity and the faith in you to stop with the first or the second generation, but I want that perpetuated through the third and the fourth generation and the fifth generation, that the circle would be unbroken. Because one of the things that really my heart just longed for more than anything else and, and I was stirred about is, is that I, it would be unthinkable for me to think that one of my children or my grandchildren would end up not going to heaven because of bad choices they would make. And so my and my wife's plan and our strategy was to always, always look to eternity and to, and to work towards that, not laboring profusely, but with love to invest in them, to monitor them, to, to uh, process their day with them, to talk to them about the things of God, and not just count on church, Sunday school. And we had wonderful Sunday school teachers for our children. We had wonderful youth pastors for our children. But the responsibility primarily lies with us. 
What kind of a home are they living in? What kind of an environment are they living in? Are, are they living in an environment where there's unrestricted access to television and media? Is there unrestricted access uh, to uh, technology, to where you're not monitoring or understanding what they're even looking at? Is there unrestricted access and no responsibility at all about who they hang around with because who they hang around with will be like who they will become. And so there's grave responsibility for parents to do our part to teach them how to love God, to teach them how to live for God, to teach them how to pray, to teach them uh, how to choose wisely, to teach them how to stand alone, that when all their friends are doing something that is not right, for them to stop and say that, I'm not going to do that, that I'm going to speak up when something is wrong. And that's hard because, you know, everybody, especially children, want to blend in and be like everybody. They don't want to stand out. But that's how we tried to raise our children. And I'm up here boasting. I'm just saying that we all should be about that, is to teach them to do what is right, even if everybody else is doing wrong, to take a stand and to understand what the Bible teaches not just listening to it on Sunday or Wednesday night, but reading it for themselves to teach them how to have a daily quiet time with God. How important that is. I love my, my grandsons and my granddaughter uh, from uh, Shano. He pastors in Shano. But even when they lived uh, in, uh, in, in the uh, Minneapolis area, uh, Cannon Falls actually, uh, the, the Keys for Kids little devotional, three-month devotional for kids that we have in King's Kids is that I gave one to my grandson years ago. And, you know, every quarter, he's like, Grampy, we need a new devotional. Daddy reads this to us every night. He reads it to the family, and we all pray together. And it's like those little devotionals, keys for kids, are available to parents and grandparents to lead and help disciple your children. And so all you have to do is ask for it. Ask Pastor Diana for it, and she will make sure you get one. But my title, if you haven't figured it out today, is Reaching the Children, because children need to be reached for Jesus, don't they? In a culture today where there are primarily mostly fatherless homes, the father's absent homes, the absence of the traditional nuclear family, children have, uh, uh, have just the three strikes against them, it seems like, in going uh, into life not understanding the balance and the security, really, of what a home life God intended for them to be. See, God created male and female. The Bible says in Genesis, He created them after His own likeness and after His own image. And He created them the institution of the family first of all before anything else. The church is an institution created by God as well. And the church is intended to come alongside families and assist them in learning how to live for God and teaching their children how to love God and to obey God. Reaching children for Christ is vital. I would say especially in this post-Christian era that we live in in America. This is no longer the America that many of us and most of us grew up in. This is a whole different ballgame that we are living in now. We cannot rely on the culture and government officials and even many times uh, schools to do what is right or biblical. The biblical worldview has been lost on this generation, the last generation, and has been ebbing for many generations. And I'm sorry to bring you bad news, but I can tell you the good news is that God always has a remnant. He has a people. He has a people, and all is not lost as long as the gospel is still preached 
And as long as we keep winning people for Jesus one person at a time. Some people, it always amazes me, especially in this selfish culture, are bothered by children. They don't want children around. In fact, most families pick and choose that I'm going to have one child. It's selfish to have more, they'll say. And I, I might counter back, it's selfish to only have one. You know, after all, somebody very wise once said to me uh, that, you know, the command in the Bible to Adam and Eve was to multiply and replenish the earth. And, and he said, you know, you really don't multiply until you've had at least three children because all you do with two is replace yourself. My wife and I really multiplied. <laughs> and our children multiplied. And uh, so we're doing our part, but it's not just enough just to have children for having children's sake. It's to have arrows in your quiver. Happy is the man who has many arrows in his quiver. And each child, when they are pulled out from that quiver and put in the bow and the bow springs forth, who knows where God will allow that child to land. The impact that that single child has to change things for the positive, for the glory of the kingdom of God in this world. We never know, do we? And so God only knows. And God has ordained little Riley and other children with a purpose in life that he wants them to accomplish. It's really the glory of the parents to discover the bend of that child, to see where God is bending them to leading them to go. Because the possibilities are incredible when you think about it. Uh, I, I remember, you know, we tried to do that each one of our children is to just kind of watch and pray with them, see where their, their delight is, where their passion is. And, and uh, it's, it, it's fun to see that and then fun to see it develop as the children grow older. But Jesus said, as I quoted earlier, Matthew 19, 14, let the children come unto me. Some were bothered by the children being brought to Jesus. You know who they were? They were his disciples. Can you imagine that? They didn't understand yet how important children were in the economy in heaven. That they're not a bother, they're not a distraction, they're not troublesome, but they're the delight of God himself, delights in every child. And babies cry, they coo. I've had so many times over the years have parents come up to me and apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry, Pastor. I'm so sorry. You know, my child was just acting up and making noise, and I hope it didn't bother you. And I said, didn't even notice. You know what? Most of the time, children's noises are a delight to my ears. Uh, and, and, and they're encouraged. You know what this church would be like with those children? It'd be boring. Really boring. I mean, tell you, children make life fun. Being a grandparent has reinvigorated my childlike uh, feelings on, in the inside, you know, to identify with younger children. You know, it, it's just an incredible thing. You know what happens when you have children around? There's fingerprints on the glass. Oh, sticky, sticky messes. You know, this morning, you know, I was out there and I looked across the coffee table in the foyer there area in one of the seating areas and I said, oh, it looks like somebody made a mess. And somebody said, oh, yeah, there was some children there eating a donut earlier and there was crumbs everywhere. And I just smiled because, you know, if there wasn't children here, that would be clean. <laughs> I'm glad there were evidence of children. Amen? That should be our attitude. Jesus loved to have them come to him. And the noise they make, you know, uh, boy, I tell you, I've had oftentimes adults make worse noises than children and sometimes behave worse, and they should know better. Amen? 
So why prioritize reaching children? We prioritize reaching children here at Calvary. Children's ministry was a priority for Jesus, that's why. The disciples didn't think it should be, but Jesus made time to minister to children. Children, listen, are the greatest mission field in today's time. The stats show that 85%, listen to this, 85% of children who come to Christ do so before the age of 18. And that, that curve gets lower and younger every year in this culture. We must invest our time and resources where we see the biggest harvest as a church. Children are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. They are important today. In fact, a healthy family is made up of grandparents, parents, and children uh, and involve them in the life and the, of the entire church, giving them opportunities to lead worship, greet, pray, read scripture, and serve. The potential is unlimited. And so it's important to reach children in today's time, in any time, but especially today in America, before the bad influence of evil and evildoers steal their hearts and their minds uh, to, do, to turn away from the Lord. There is parental role in reaching children. We're going to talk about their role. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4, and 7, which I quoted part of this in today's baby dedication, is to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. That's every part of you, in other words. And these words, verse number 6 says, these words, shall, which I command you today, shall be in your heart. You shall do what? Teach them how? Diligently. Diligently to your children. And, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Listen, children do and say what they see done and heard. It's important the atmosphere that you have in your house. It's important the words and the phrases that you use in your house. It's important what you allow your children to watch. You know, there's been many times my uh, children will be there visiting and the grandchildren, young children, and they'll say something, uh, a word, and they say, where in the world did they learn that? And children just pick it up. They're like record, little recording devices. As they hear something and they speak it. They might have heard something like that in the grocery store or at, or at Menards or someplace like that. You never know. But it's important that we guard and protect our children from bad influences that they may pick up on. Children <clears throat> uh, and their immature and the behavior and attitudes of their parents, they will imitate the parents in so many areas. And so it's important that we guard our heart and guard what we say and we do. If you don't like, somebody said, how your children behave, then change your behavior. So where do they learn that? And it's like sometimes, not every time, but sometimes we can go look in the mirror. Is that you said something or did something or you acted out in anger some way that gave your children the idea that that's okay. Amen? And so what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. It's important that you watch 
who your children spend time with. Now, I'm not saying we need to boycott and quarantine our children away from people, the neighborhood kids, or anyone like that, but you do need to know what they're up to and where they're at. You do need to be careful about them being behind closed doors, especially in today's sexually charged culture. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying here? Behind closed doors is not an option. The door should be open. Uh, you know, even when we were raising our children in Liberty, Missouri, we owned a house that was right across the street from uh, middle school. It used to be the junior high school where I went to junior high, and they had made several additions to it uh, And as the school district grew and the population grew in that area. And they had <clears throat> a playground on the other side of the school, but we were on this side, and the, with the additions, you can't see over there anymore, and our children want to go over there and play. There's a whole bunch of kids over there, and and my spirit, I had red flags go up, and I thought, no, you can't go over there unless we're over there with you. And found out that there were children congregating up near the building, near the building, uh, where the building jutted out, and there were some bad things going on back there. And so the Holy Spirit, what am I saying? The Holy Spirit can give you a red flag, a little warning signal, say, ah, you better watch that. Sometimes, can I tell you, parents, sometimes you may have to tell them no. <gasps> Oh, it'll make them grow up negative and fearful. No, it won't. It'll make them know that there are boundaries. And they will feel secure, even though they may kick and scream and gripe about it, they will know that there's safety in boundaries. Sometimes you have to say no. And the children say, well, give me a reason why. Sometimes, if you get a red flag from the Holy Spirit, you may not know why. You may say, I just don't know. I just don't feel right about this. You know, that's happened with us, with our children over the years, several times, and we find out later that, boy, that was a warning from the Holy Spirit. Thank God we listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, when your children say, but so-and-so's doing it and everybody else is doing it, it's like, well, what's your last name? They hated it when I asked them that. It's not because they didn't like their last name. They just hated it because they knew where it was going. See, they're pretty sharp. Your name is Hawthorne, right? What's their last name? Well, okay, these are our standards. We're not asking everybody else to live by our standards, but you live under my roof. You're my child. I'm the parent. You're the, chill. You're the child. Does that make sense? I'm talking about responsibility in parenting. You want your children to grow up to love the Lord, then you have to take, first of all, responsibility at home. You have to teach them how to work, okay? How to work without griping and moaning or feeling like a victim. You know, you know what the problem is in today's culture, and you and read about it all the time, is, is teenagers and young adults don't like to work. They're unreliable, undependable to the employer. They don't understand why they get fired or they get in trouble. When they show up late, time after time after time, they're not punctual. When they are at work, they think that this uh, cell phone, they can talk because they have their cell phone. The phone rings and they're talking while they're supposed to be on the clock. And they can't understand why it's a problem. It's a problem because they're paying you to work. And, and the real problem is the parents who raised the children up that way and didn't teach them to give a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. This should, listen, this should not be so 
in the church of Jesus Christ. You know, see, we live in a God culture. We are citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of this world. We're only strangers, sojourners, passing through on our way to heaven. And our standards should be different. Our moral standards should be different. I was telling Nick that, you know, this morning I get here real early on Sunday, and I just popped on online, and, and I was Googling, you know, uh, just getting some fresh humor uh, for children. You know, there's always funny things children say. And I looked at four or five different sites. Click. It's vulgar. It's a crime to God. Uh, the vulgar, immoral humor that they're using children for. I mean, I was disgusted, and I thought, this is where we are today. They're robbing children of their innocence and trying to make them into sexual creatures. I'm just saying, this is wrong. And parents ought to teach exactly what those scriptures say. And listen, parents today, Christian parents today, should, without hate or anything else, and we get accused of hate, but really it's the haters that accuse us of what they do, is to teach them that there are biblical moral standards that we are expected to live by. These are biblical standards. And if you are a biblical Christian, so many people call themselves Christians, but they don't open or crack open the Bible to see what God says. And God has a lot of things to say about our moral behavior. Abstain from sexual lust, sexual sin. Flee immorality. Don't stand up to it. Run when temptation comes your way. And God, in his word, teaches that there are two sexes, male and female. He created male and female. He didn't create 10 or 12 sexes. That's in the sinful mind that has strayed far from God. And our children are exposed to this, bombarded with this, every single day. Through the media, through entertainment, and through uh, the policies that governments and even school districts initiate and enforce. We need to say that that may be them, but we live in a Christian culture with a biblical worldview, and thus saith the Lord, period. And you don't have to hate. We love people. And listen, if you love people, you tell them the truth spoken in love, not in hate. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Our children need to understand that. In fact, we used to have in our household, we didn't do it consistently, but we did it uh, off and on. I think it made a difference is that we'd get up early and before we'd have breakfast or anything else, we would have, there's 31 Proverbs, we'd read a proverb a day and then we'd pray. See, the wisdom of God is hand meted out in the Proverbs. And if you want your children to be wise, then teach them the Proverbs. It will keep them from sin and keep them from danger. The primary responsibility of leading their children to Christ falls on the parents and grandparents. I can tell you, my sister, my sister, uh, uh, she, she's second oldest, I'm third oldest, and, and, but uh, Christine, she has so many testimonies. Her children... Kind of went to a Christian, they went to a Christian school and kept raised them in church, uh, but <clears throat> um, some strayed from the Lord. And uh, recently, the oldest son and his wife became very successful farmers up in northern Missouri, and uh, she would babysit her grandsons. 
and keep them in her home while they farmed and while they did work. And you know what she did? You can probably guess. She taught them from the Word of God. She had devotions, and not just devotions, but prayer time with them. She taught them the Word of God. And you know what happened a couple years back? Is uh, my nephew's, uh, her oldest son's oldest son, in the kitchen where they were at, received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. He's just, he just like 11, 12 years old. And she said, you know, he couldn't stop speaking in tongues for quite a while. He was just so full of the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, mom and dad, you know, they, they were fine with that. You know, he grew up in church. He understood all these things. And the younger one led to Christ. And then another one, they led to Christ. And, and uh, among her other grandchildren as well. But uh, her oldest son, the Lord gave my sister a prophetic word, is that there's going to come a time, Christine, when the desires of your heart will be brought to pass, and that will be that all of your children will be worshiping God with you and your husband. And that is coming to pass. The oldest son and his wife attend church where they are now, has been back in church uh, for months and months. Her oldest son, she told me just a few weeks ago that he called her up, was so excited, and Melinda, his wife, said that, you know, uh, he's been wanting the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's been having God dreams at night. And she said he has dreams where the anointing and the power of God is so strong that he's literally shaking when he wakes up. And she said the other day, she said Melinda went to the door to wake him up, and she said she heard him on the other side of the door just praising God and speaking in tongues. And she said, he, he said, Mom, when I... When I had that dream and I woke up, he said, I, he said, the Holy Spirit was all over me and I was literally shaking and I could not stop praising God. See, persistence, faith pays off. I don't know where your children are, your grandchildren are in their walk with God, but it is primarily our responsibility as parents and grandparents to not accept the status quo, but to expect God to do great and mighty things. The God to tie up the loose ends so that the circle is unbroken. It is the greatest thing in all the world to have your children serving God and to know the next generation is learning about the ways of God. Matthew 19.13a says, One day parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could lay hands on them and pray for them. So we need to bring them to Jesus and I'll tell you, when you lay hands on them, the Spirit of Jesus who is in you is laying hands on them too, and the anointing is in you to lay hands on them and the power of God to be released. It's important to give your children an understanding of who God is and of His plan for salvation and their life purpose, to understand that it's just not life, we just float, don't go floating through life, but God has a plan and a purpose for you. To give them an awareness of his presence, his love, and that his watch care is that no matter where you are, God is with you. That if you get lost in the woods, you're not lost. God knows right where you're at. And he's somebody that as a child you can call unto at any time and he hears you and he will answer prayer. We need to instill into their hearts that they are never, never alone, that God hears their prayers. Too many children and teens are left without hope in times of trouble and loss because they haven't been given a spiritual heritage. And I think that's a crime. It's, it's horrible. 
They suffer oftentimes from depression and hopelessness. Teen suicide is rampant because God is unknown to them. That there is a hope that is in God that transcends all the troubles and the trials that you can face in this life. It's important that we tell them about Jesus and the parents and grandparents are responsible for that primarily. The church is here to help. Can I tell you, secondly, there are hindrances in reaching Jesus. In this case, it was the disciples. Matthew 19, 13 says this, is that one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay hands and pray for them. But, say but. You know, sometimes people need to get their butts out of the way. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering Jesus. Don't bother him. Can I tell you, when my grandchildren want to see me, they don't bother me. When my children were little, and even as teenagers, if they wanted to get to me, I wanted at full access. When my daughters were in college, and some of them are going through times of uh, despair and loneliness and just, you know, tiredness and fatigue and depression, there was times they would call, and I remember one of my daughters calling once and said, he picked up the phone, it was at the old parsonage, it was on the sofa in the living room, in the front room, and I said, hello, and I said, hello, Dad. I said, hello? Yeah, Dad. I said, Julie? Yeah. I said, Did, yeah, how are you doing? Dad, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you still pray for me? And I said, of course I do. I never stop praying for you. I said, what's going on? And she began to unpack just things. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, those things are not that important. But to her, they were a mountain. And so someday you just listen. And then when the conversation was coming to an end, I just said, honey, can I pray for you right now? And I prayed. And Dad, thank you. Say, if I've been too busy, hey, don't bother me, I'm busy. Hey, I'm watching the TV, I'm watching Gunsmoke, come on now. <laughs> don't get between me and Gunsmoke, you know. Bonanza's okay, but don't, you know. No, you make time when they need time. Can I tell you, our children need to know that God always has time for you. God is always there for you. And, and your dad... Your mom are always here for you. Okay? We teach our children that. They, you know, it's going to hedge off so many big problems that they, life-controlling problems. In this case, the disciples said, Jesus is too busy. Can you imagine them doing that? They'd been with Jesus all this time, yet they still didn't know him as well as they thought they did. And there's adults uh, without children. Sometimes they can gravitate towards selfishness and self-centeredness. That's why sometimes it's important. I think it's nice to have children. Some, pe some parents can't have children, and their heart is aching because of that. And, and you know what I pray? I pray God open that womb, <laughs> amen, and just bless them because there is nothing like having children. They cost a lot of money, I can tell you. When we had three, we thought we were done, and about five, was it five or six years later, we decided to have two more. And I look back and I think, my gosh, in hindsight, if we hadn't had those other two, we'd be really well set for retirement. Man, we'd have a lot of money. <laughs> I'm serious. I have a lot of money. 
But you know what? I wouldn't exchange anything for those two. They have made our lives rich, and they're investing in the kingdom of God for eternal things. They're, they're hitting their mark where God called them to do. And God has always taken care of us. How, how about you? And so it's not, the money's not the important thing. And some make decisions based on money or how, much, how many vacations we're going to be able to take. Don't, don't go in that direction. Some churches with predominantly older members can sometimes have no vision for children or children's ministries. And I remember our friends, um, Pastor Marvin, Deb Kindle at White Lake up in the North Woods there, uh, have a powerful vision for reaching children in the rural area of Wisconsin. You know, the pastor in the church bought a bunch of 15-passenger vans, and they send buses or vans out into several areas out in the country, and they bring in 40 to 60 children each week for children's programs that never would be able to attend church because their parents can't or won't bring them. But they will attend if somebody drives up and picks them up way out in the country. They'll drive all over out in the country roads to pick them up, and they pack that place out. You know, BGMC is a missions fund that is funded by primarily children and children's ministries. That little church in White Lake, per capita, it has been number one to number five in the entire nation of giving to BGMC, Boys and Girls Missionary. Isn't that awesome? See, that, because they have a vision for reaching children. I believe that God has blessed this church with the growth and increase because of their efforts in reaching children. I think God blesses that. You know what they had to do? And their pastor is like in his middle 70s. They had a building program. They had to add on to their church. Cliff and Liz were up there last week and, and visited and said a beautiful, very big fellowship hall, brand new kitchen that the ladies just love. You know, God blesses. Some churches, as I said earlier, are bothered by messes they make, fingerprints on the glass doors, spilt milk or spilt stuff all over the place. That was back in Kansas City years and years ago where children went to a fundamentalist Baptist Christian school for several years, and uh, the school had outgrown their facility, and they sold off their property. They looked for some place to rent for school. So they looked to a church, and there was a church in the Northland that had this huge facility. I mean huge. It was very big. Had a lot of full-size classrooms, and, and yet the church wasn't running that many people. And so they said, we will sign a lease to lease your building for Monday through Friday for school. For school. We'll pay you. They needed the money. And, and so they had committee meetings. How many know, like I do, that the fewer committees you have, the less trouble you have? I, I, there's nothing wrong with committees, it's just the, some of the people on the committees, I, you know, that can get, uh, you know, crazy with power. And this ladies' committee, women's ministries got together, and they said to the leadership, we don't want to rent the facility out because we just bought and paid for new curtains for all the Sunday school rooms, and we're afraid they're going to get dirty by kids touching them. And I thought, you have no vision, none whatever. Can I tell you that I come to work every day, and usually on Monday mornings when I come over, there's fingerprints all over the glass. Can I tell you most of the fingerprints are concentrated in an area about here and below? <laughs> Inside and out. And every t listen, every time I see them, I smile. You know, the janitors will clean all those prints off, okay? 
and, and that's going to be fine for next week, but I will be disappointed if next week there isn't fingerprints everywhere because children are God's treasure and they are our treasure as well. Um, thirdly, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back, um, Jesus said, let the little children come to me and don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on them, on their heads, and he blessed them before he left. He had time to bless the children. There is hope for reaching the children. Jesus, just in conclusion, always had time for children. He highly valued children. Not just the good-looking ones, the ones with the right body shape, the ones of the right color. He loves all the children of the world. They are his treasure. He said that it would be worse for someone to have a millstone wrapped around their neck and thrown into the depths of the sea who would offend one of these or hurt one of these children. That's how he takes it personally. When you hurt a child, you're touching the, the eye of God, the apple of God's eye. He, Jesus said, don't forbid them to come to me. We have a culture. Uh, we have a system, a, a public education system. Uh, we have a network television and uh, media that forbids children to come to Jesus, that does everything they can to be a hindrance. But Jesus said, let them come. He'll lay hands on them and he blessed them. He'll lay hands on them today by the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and he will make a difference in their lives. Can I just say in conclusion, let's bless our children. Let's bring them to Jesus. Let's bring them to Jesus so that he can bless them. Let's bring the children, the grandchildren, the neighbor's children, if they'll let you, uh, bring them to King's Kids on Sunday. Bring them to Wednesday night services so that they can go to impact clubs or Royal Rangers for boys. So they can come to student ministries. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Would you bow your heads in prayer today? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the loving kindness of God. We thank you that, God, you are a God who loves people, but you love children. Your heart delights in their childishness, even in sometimes their childhood foolishness, Lord, the little things they do. But, God, you love them. And, Lord, Christ died for them so that they might have eternal life, but also an abundant life. Lord, not filled with sin and sorrow that that brings, but to be filled with the goodness of God because they learn the ways of God. And so, God, we pray a blessing on all the children in this church and outside the church. We pray that Calvary would continue to be and even grow as a church that reaches out and loves children. I pray for the parents and the grandparents that are here today that have influence over their children's lives and their grandchildren. That, Lord God, that they would intentionally, Lord, invest in the eternity of their children and grandchildren by loving them, setting an example, and teaching them the ways of God. And, Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.